0: This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, Or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. This is Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. Together, we chat with entrepreneurs with great ideas looking for investors to back their vision. We want to be
1: sure investors are there as well as to find the next big hit.
0: So let's get started. And a big welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of Make Your Pitch. As all of you know, we come on every week on Thursday, and we bring you some very, very talented people. Not only people that are uh, getting a business going, but people who have been in business a while and now are ready to expand and, and to really bust out into the marketplace. But we bring you experts as well, and investors that talk to you about how to best handle your Search for an Investment. Today, we have a wonderful guest, which I have had a lot of fun talking to, and has has a wonderful story she's going to tell us. But before we do that, I'm Christopher Knight. And I am the ever-effervescent Ellen J. Harris. (laughs) You're on target today, aren't you, my dear? All right, good enough then. Ellen, tell us a little bit about our guest today.
1: Well, today, our guest is Lindsay Pate. And she is the CEO and co-founder at Glass House Grown, an award-winning craft cannabis business in Central Oregon. She is also the president of Cascade Cannabis Association and advocate for fair and workable cannabis regulations. It is an exciting time to be a woman in this budding industry, says Lindsay. Welcome. Thank,
0: thank you. you and, so and Lindsay, I tell you what, it's a pleasure to have you. I So the ball is in your court right now.
2: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. You know, um, as somebody who married into a second generation cannabis family, it's really exciting to have an opportunity to be part of um, podcasts like this where, you know, cannabis is being treated, you know, essentially the same as any other business. So thank you so much. Um, So, you know, I thought I would start out by kind of telling everybody how I got into this. Um, I have a background in teaching. I worked in environmental education and worked with at-risk youth. And so, um, you know, my husband, who's a second generation grower, which means that his dad was actually a cannabis grower long before uh, you admit to that. Um, When Chris, my husband, said, hey, I think we should start a cannabis business in Oregon, I said, I think you're crazy. Um, I will never work again in, in education if I do this. So my first requirement was that we enter a cannabis competition. It was my way of vetting whether or not we really knew what we were doing because we were going to compete against all of our competitors and, you know, just understand how, how we stacked up, Um, and I'm really lucky to say that that went very well. We, we had our first place award back in 2015. Um, and then since then we've actually won nine more first place awards through various competitions, um, 13 total. So that for us was just a really good way to continue to vet ourselves against our competitors and you know, really figure out if we're onto something um, as a craft cannabis company.
0: Well, you want to grow now, though, right? Uh, that's a pun, I guess, in this in the in the business somewhat. But you want to grow the business and improve it. Uh, what direction are you headed with the business now that you're uh, have those thoughts in mind?
2: Yeah. So you know, um, we the the way that cannabis regulations work out. We're stuck in our own state. I'm not allowed to export outside of Oregon. But as an industry, we're seeing that within the next three to five years, maybe sooner, um, we will see big federal reform which would allow us to do exporting. So we're in a wonderful position right now to really work on scaling our company. And I think the coolest thing about Glasshouse is that we're probably one of the most capable teams in the country to scale craft cannabis Um, You know, my husband, aside from being a second generation grower, he actually was in the Air Force for uh, a little stint there and he got top security clearance and was working on, uh, as a field engineer, was working on planes that were worth about a billion dollars. So he's worked under highly regulated SOPs. And then Chris and Craig, those are my two business partners, um, both worked in medical device manufacturing and they actually wrote SOPs, maintained SOPs. So that experience combined with our family's history with cannabis, we are just in such a good position to leverage what it means to replicate and scale craft cannabis. Um, So we're really excited about that. And that's actually why we're raising money right now.
0: So by scaling, you're talking about being able to open in other states that are legal now uh, and grow it that way, or open other locations in uh, where you are now?
2: Yeah, so we're gonna see how the regulations roll out. In our ideal world, we would keep our operations in Oregon and export into other states. Um, So right now, the funds that we're raising are really to let us uh, increase our production here in Oregon, but as we increase that infrastructure, we have this beautiful opportunity to write SOPs, not only for the actual operations, but perhaps more importantly, how to replicate the operations. So, whether that's in Oregon or in another state, we recognize that we make this company very special, but the only way to grow the company, you know, I can't clone me and Chris and Craig, unfortunately. Um, so we have to work really detailed on those SOPs to be able to replicate the facilities and the operations, you know, so God forbid the three of us could go to Hawaii together, um, and, and not, not be on the farm.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a, uh, date worth looking forward to no doubt about it. And oh, yeah. where do you, where do you see the expansion going as far as, uh, you know, give me a, give me a time frame, and, you know, where, where is it going to be in that, uh, the, what everybody asks, three to five years type thing. But where is it, where is it headed uh, as far as its growth?
2: Yeah, so right now, um, we are, we've built out a lot of our infrastructure. But in order to really utilize um, the infrastructure to the fullest extent, over the next year, we will be reinvesting a fair amount of capital into equipment, which gets us into a perpetual growth model, which means that we harvest every single week. Um, Right now, we only harvest every few months. Um, And then by 2024, we will begin replicating our actual facilities here on this farmland because we're approved for double our square footage. So that sets us up by 2025 to have both of those SOPs, the piece that allows us to replicate the facilities and the piece that allows us to step away from the business and um, have the operations run without the three of us there all the time. So that's kind of our timeframe, which we think works out really nicely with the federal regulations, because whether we are exporting into other states, or perhaps we're not there yet as a country, so then we're actually replicating into other states and having additional facilities by 2026.
0: Okay. Anyway, uh, 2025, say, what, do you, what are your, is your estimated revenue at that point?
2: Yeah. So right now we are with our doubling of the square footage. Um, we're looking at about 6 million in revenue.
0: Okay. All right. And uh, just to back up a little bit, but tell, tell us why your cannabis is so special.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking that question. So, you know, the industry talks a lot about craft cannabis. And that's not just something the cannabis space talks about. That is something that the craft beer industry talks a lot about. Um, we're really lucky to to be in an area, Bend, Oregon, that uh, has shoots Brewery that we can sort of model ourselves off after. Um, so for us, what craft means is that we are not interested in high, high volume um, sales. We are really looking at quality over quantity. So for us, we are very particular about the type of plants that we grow and the taste profiles that come with the genetics. So similar to a, a craft brewery that has certain recipes that just you know make you smile in your belly, um, for us in the cannabis space, the, the plants have certain profiles that create the taste and smell. So we're very aggressive in always finding new genetics with new flavors and even pairing those in our concentrates to really optimize um, whether it's the, the high you get, but more importantly, the taste and flavor that comes with that.
0: Okay. And and that was that developed... Uh... Uh, back in the family's history or is it something that you've really worked on here in the uh, last couple of years?
2: Uh, It's a little bit of both so unlike the beer industry um, I mentioned that for cannabis you know the genetics of the plant are really what's going to dictate the flavor profile you could certainly uh, put non-cannabis terpene flavors into concentrates that's not what we do at all um So, so the cool thing about being a uh, second generation cannabis family is that we actually have what we call a seed vault. So it's just a bunch of seeds that we have been collecting for a very, very long time. Um, And that we were able to import into our OLCC license, which means that we've got you know, 20, 30-year-old genetics that uh, the industry would love us to bring back into the market. So that's an exciting thing. And then we actually breed our own genetics as well. So we've won, like I mentioned, 13 cannabis cups. We take those genetics, cross them with other genetics, and now we're able to create our own line of award-winning kind of uh, heritage, if you will, uh, products to the market.
0: Do you think that uh, seed vault is actually a a, a carrier of value that that an investor would be interested to know that you have?
2: I mean, I think to the right investor who understands the industry for anyone out there that really understands how cannabis works. Oh yeah. It would be the type of thing that you go, wow, you have heirloom seeds. That's incredible. Um, You know, as we see the industry get commercialized one sad part about this is a lot of our older growers um, didn't make it into the legal market, whether it was capital or regulations that kept them out of it. So that knowledge and those seeds that they had, ultimately those kind of get lost in the wayside, unfortunately. So our family was really proud to import those seeds into the OLCC market. And technically they are now the license, which is our company that now owns those. So that's our big contribution to our company. And it does bring quite a bit of value to us.
0: Let's pause for a moment so we can hear from our sponsor for this episode. I have just set up our customer relation management system using CRM engine, not just for its many options, but because its price is well below that of the big boys. The CRM Engine team set up all that we needed to keep track of our contacts, including those who are scheduled to pitch, our investors and strategic partners. We now know when we met, what was said, when to follow up and includes an auto email system to stay in touch timely. It keeps us focused on what makes Make Your Pitch what it is, the people. So to learn how to keep your business in touch with your clients using CRM Engine Go to the show notes of this episode.
1: So I want to ask you this, Lindsay, those seeds in the vault. You know, um, I've worked with startups in Norway. And just north of Oslo is a little town called Svalbard. Svalberg, And that's where they have the legacy seeds from around the world so that mm-hmm. in the, that you know about this. Good. Do, so yeah. yes. So you've borrowed, I can tell from that idea and that's going to be a huge, huge asset to your company. My question is the legacy seeds, if you can, without revealing anything proprietary, but what is the duration? What, how old are those seeds? Yeah. So
2: we have seeds that date back, you know, it's, it's, part of the black market industry is there's not a science to everything. So there was a lot of, you know, he said, she said. Um, But what we're, from our understanding of the seeds that we have, um, they're anywhere from, uh, you know, 15 years old to potentially 40 years old. And when we're talking about cannabis seeds, you know, the older they get, um, some of these weren't, just, just to throw this out there, not all of them came directly from our family. The beautiful thing about the cannabis space is, Old school growers recognize that it's important to preserve genetics like this. So, back when we lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains, we were actually gifted by other families who saw, you know, kind of our long-term trajectory. Um, We were gifted many seeds as well. Um, So, you know, the longer if they're not stored properly, sometimes it's harder to get them to sprout. But even just getting one or two of these seeds to sprout it opens up a whole new set of genetics that we can now breed with because as we commercialize the industry, we start to bottleneck and get very narrow with the genetics we're working on. And if you look at the uh, potato blight, you know part of the reason why that happened is that we lost genetic diversity, therefore the crops were susceptible. Um, so it's, it's a very exciting thing for us and outside of profit and any of that, That is just something that's really important to be revitalizing the commercial industry with. So, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, I have always believed that our revenue model might look different than our projections because we very well would be selling, uh, you know, clones of seeds with tailored SOPs and license those out to other growers in other states to use in their production. So there's a lot of exciting stuff that we don't put in our projections, but that we're, we've got it on a board behind me. um, And we're always keeping an eye on some of those opportunities.
1: Excellent, so that uh, I'm guessing when you say that your goal as a company is to be able to harvest, you said every month or every week?
2: So right now we harvest every three months, but in about a year, that reinvestment will allow us to harvest every single week.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: okay. What, uh, yeah. what, was that, what was that number you were after again?
2: Uh, for?
0: For your for your investment.
2: Oh yeah. So we're raising um, at a minimum 800,000, but because of the way that we plan to scale we would raise anywhere from 800,000 to 1.2 million um, 800,000 you know gets us to where we want to be but what we've learned over the last few years is um, we do not want to continue to fundraise so you know we will take up to 1.2 we feel that we know how to use that money very well and if we get to 1.2, it just makes things move a little bit quicker for us, which, you know, uh, we're go slow to go fast, but money does make things easier, even though it doesn't solve everything.
0: And how's that going to be structured?
2: Yeah. So right now we've structured it uh, entirely off of debt. We did a 10% interest rate on a seven year note. That being said, we are very data-driven, so we're very open-minded to understanding a win-win for investors. And it only takes us a day or two to plug in other terms and understand if it's going to be beneficial to the company. And if it's something that you know benefits the company and benefits the investor, then we're open-minded to negotiating. We do have equity to sell as well. Um, we are, we have 170,000 worth of equity to sell on a one point, sorry, on a $2.5 million valuation. Um, as a craft cannabis company, we are capped at least right now on the equity we'd like to sell because we would like to maintain 51% ownership between the founders for the next three years. We believe it's just very important for craft cannabis to make sure that quality is always being prioritized in the decisions that we're making.
1: Okay, so what is a craft cannabis company?
2: Yeah, so you know, for us, craft cannabis means that we're very focused on the quality. We're very focused on the flavor profiles. Um, and diving into that a little bit further, you know, there's uh, there's that saying: there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And in this case, for us. We really wanna make sure that when it comes to the fertilizers we're using and the IPM, IPM stands for Integrated Pest Management. So um, for us not spraying chemicals to prevent pests is really important. Um, We actually require that everybody that go into our greenhouse showers in the entryway, puts on clean clothes, clean socks, clean shoes, it's part of our way of making sure that we're never put in a position to spray something on our crop that could cause the endpoint product um, to either not taste good or not pass uh, you know, certain testing. So to us, it's that decision-making the whole way from seed to the endpoint solventless concentrate. That's what craft cannabis means for us is that we really control that whole decision-making process.
1: Okay. And a quick segue here. What is your business formation?
2: Oh, we're a C-corp. Is that what you mean?
1: Yes. Excellent. Okay. So you, you have a lot of latitude for growth in the future.
2: Yeah. You know, we're, we're good at knowing what we know and knowing what we don't know. So we hired a wonderful law firm, uh, a cannabis boutique law firm in Portland, uh, to really help us understand how to make our fundraising advantageous for our investors, but also keep the corporation safe, make sure that everybody involved, um, you know, the corporate bylaws, all the documents, we really lean on them. Um, and kind of going back to that seed vault, the interesting thing is those seeds that used to be my husband's personal possession technically speaking the company now owns them because the license owns them and the license holder is the company so you know us aside we were kind of creating this um this entity of craft cannabis where we could step away or you know god forbid something happens and those sops get written those seeds are there the award-winning heritage is there, and that brand has been created.
0: Very nice, thank you. How how are you working on uh, your branding of the the company itself? Uh, because it's, as you well know, that's uh, that's extremely important for any industry. Is the branding of not only the name, of course, but you know, quality and so forth. Uh, what? Are, uh, how are you handling that right now?
2: Yeah. So um. You know, that's another place where part of the investment money that we're raising, we will work with a firm to sort of help refine this on a long-term perspective. That being said, our name, Glasshouse Grown, where that comes from is in the Netherlands, all greenhouses are referred to as house, um, a glasshouse. And so for us, this is a longer story than we probably have time for, so I'll make it quick. The industry would never be where it is today had the Netherlands not had the rules to allow cannabis breeders to create genetics, to save genetics. So when we talked about a craft cannabis branding, something that anyone can identify with, we decided to use our Dutch history and furthermore the industry's Dutch history in our branding because again, had we not had the Netherlands, I'm telling you, you would not have any of the genetic viability that you have today. Um, so that's something we believe that anybody can identify with. It's not just Oregonian, it's not just you know our family. It's something that uh, as cannabis users learn more about the industry, it's something we can all be really thankful for in terms of what uh, the, the folks in, in the Netherlands did for us.
0: Well, you know, uh, it seems to me that you should uh, uh, actually call it the the gloss horse. (laughs) Well, you know, we've thought about it. Spell it that way and just uh, literally that'd be very unique.
2: And, you know, the other thing that we really like about it, um, glass houses just ooze transparency and transparency is our number one value. So going back Mm -hmm. to being a craft cannabis company, we... We don't have to hide anything from the moment that seed is planted to when those products hit the market. We are fully transparent in the products we're using from the fertilizers, the IPM. Um, we really believe in transparency because our family would not put something on the market if we ourselves would not use it.
0: Well, I can, I can see it right now, but the uh, the Dutch name and craft Cannabis is uh, the, the Terminator. I can- I can see the branding already. So, if you need help with branding, let me know. <laughs> All right. It uh, sounds that's a great idea. It, uh, Ellen, uh, do you have any questions uh, before we come to the end of this episode of Maker Pitch?
1: No, this has been extremely informative and very exciting. And thank you, Lindsay, for putting a
0: different spin on the entire industry and process. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yeah. Now, before before you go, Lindsay, what Is there anything you'd like to say to uh, the investors that are watching? uh, Anything to finish it out and kind of from the heart, whatever you'd like to say.
2: Yeah, um, thank you. So, you know, I mentioned that there's probably no better team out there to execute the scaling of craft cannabis. And um, one of the things that I really geek out about um, is years and years ago, before we had the building built, and we even before we own the farmland, uh, I had this vision of, I, I have a background in evolutionary biology. So I have this vision of how do you make a company, how do you treat a company more like a living creature that adapts yes. and reacts to the market?
0: Yes. So
2: while we're totally crazy for harvesting every week, the coolest thing about that is every single week we have an opportunity to adjust the genetics we grow, the products we make, um, perhaps even the messaging and the branding behind those products. And so if you think about, you have however many weeks in a year, however many years in the lifetime of this company, we've set ourselves up to have this kind of evolutionary adaptive model to our business. And yeah, I love that we've won awards. I love cannabis, all those things. But that, for me, is what gets so exciting about this, is to actually see that data-driven ability every week to adjust to what the market wants to see.
0: Very, very true. In (laughs) fact, uh, I want all the investors to listen closely, because what I hear all the time is, all about the team. Now, if you don't call this a team and a process and a complete outline for future growth and success. I don't know where else you're going to find it, my, my friends out there in the investment world. Uh, thank you, Lindsay, so much for being a part of Make Your Pitch on this episode. And we will, uh, we'll be digging down deep and seeing if we can't help out as well along the way. But as we close, what we always say is... Be fearless when you make your pitch. That's right on. See you next Thursday. If you enjoyed today's episode of Make Your Pitch go smash the subscription button, and if you want, leave us a five-star review.
1: If you think you have what it takes to be on one of our episodes,
0: contact us by going to the show notes to learn how. But most of all, be with us again next week for another episode of Make Your Pitch.